When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. And if you are a longtime listener, you may have heard me tell you that I got through graduate school for free. I was working for IBM as a bill collector, and IBM had a benefit where if you were getting a degree and something that they thought was relevant, mine was an MBA, that they would pay your entire tuition as long as you had a B or better in every class. Now, I had never been the greatest student in the world. Suddenly, I went from being a mediocre student to having a near 4.0 grade point average to make sure I got every class reimbursed. I had to pay for my books, but tuition was on them. And this is something that big corporations used to do routinely, but is a much less frequent benefit. Well, I told you with great excitement, when Walmart launched their free college program for their employees. And so this is one with very few strings attached. There are a number of universities involved in it, some well-knowns like Purdue University, University of Florida, among others. And so you're able to get college credits. You're able to go all the way through and get a college degree. Walmart has a massive workforce in the United States. It's, uh, it's more than a million people, I think. Only 25,000 are taking advantage of the program right now. And that is not shocking to me because the IBM facility that I worked in, there were about 600 of us, and there were only two of us out of 600 that were taking advantage of the free college benefit when I was there, that people uh, may not have the time, they may have young kids, you don't know why people don't take advantage, but the reality is having access to free college education is awesome. Oh, and I just found the number. A million and a half employees are eligible for the free college. Well, now Walmart is offering skilled trades that are not about going to college, uh, learning how to be an electrician, a plumber. Uh, heating and air conditioning contractor, a variety of trades are now available to people essentially for free through the Walmart program. And this is an opportunity for you if you want to uh, give yourself an opportunity for a new skill, a bigger paycheck, and all the rest. And what's funny, if you go in the Walmart program where you learn a skilled trade, if they can find a place for you 
under their roof to do that, that's fine. Otherwise, they'll help you find an opportunity outside of Walmart to do that new trade that you have learned because the idea is to give you this opportunity to advance. And I think that's really neat. And I just wish more people would take advantage of an opportunity for free college because who wants to have student loan debt? I mean, nobody wants to have that, right? So it's time for your questions. You posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producer Kim, who do you have a question from? This is from David in Wisconsin. He says, I own a 2008 Honda Pilot. It has 143,000 miles on it, and I own nothing on this car. It does, however, need a new transmission. They've quoted me $2,750 for that. No other issues. Brand new tires as of December of last year. All new brakes, etc. So, do I keep it and fix it, or take the dealer's trade-in offer of three thousand? Wow, um, a train leaves Philadelphia at three p.m. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that's quite a puzzle because the value of your two thousand eight Pilot would likely be somewhere. You know, if it did not need a new transmission, uh, somewhere about. Oh, maybe $5,500, $6,000. So it's kind of a wash between the 3000 the dealers offered you for it unrepaired or you fixing it and having a vehicle that still has relatively low miles at 143000 even though it's uh, 12 model years old, to fix it and continue to drive it. So the interesting thing about it is unless you're tired of the pilot, it's a generally very reliable vehicle according to Consumer Reports. And if you repair it and then you decide, you know what, I really don't want it anymore, and you sell it, you're still about even Steven with what you'd get by trading it in now unrepaired. So if you're willing to take that leap of faith, if the vehicle otherwise seems generally in sound condition, I would take that $2,750, repair that transmission, and drive that vehicle for a good while longer. You're somebody who obviously doesn't like to cycle through vehicles. You're driving one that's 12 model years old. I'd keep it on the road. Joel? Clark Ted in Rhode Island says, I listed an apartment in my uh, my two family residences for rent with a realtor in February, and I removed it from the market in March due to COVID. Someone pulled the ad, the pictures from the realtor's website, and reposted it on Craigslist for uh, one half uh. of the rent amount. Yeah, the individual tells the prospective tenant to visit the exterior of the property. He lists the address on the posting, takes pictures. He he tried to get money before and after their visit to hold it for them. To date, I've had 28 people either knock on my door or trespass on my property. I've notified Craigslist by email many times at the scam, and I've placed a sign on the door. I've called the police and the AG's office in Rhode Island with no support offered. Do you have any suggestions for me? Well, I would like for us to contact Craigslist and ask how they handle removing a crooked listing like this. Uh, This has been a constant problem with Craigslist going back, and they didn't create the problem, just having that free platform did it, where criminals scarf a listing that's a legitimate listing from, it could be from realtor.com anywhere, and they 
they capture the pictures, they capture everything, and then they post on Craigslist and scam people. In my TV work, I've done a number of stories where I've interviewed both the legitimate owner of a rental property or a home and the people who've ended up losing money. And it's so frustrating to me that there has not been a better uh, process put in place by Craigslist to shut down the con artists, to shut down the criminals. So I'd love it for us to have a little conversation with Craigslist about this. Um, I think you've done a great service to people who are looking for places to rent to know that this is a long-time scam involving Craigslist. Be aware of it. Be very wary of giving money to an individual who purports to own a property they're renting to you, uh, particularly when they tell you just to go by and look at the place and you never actually see that person. That's a big tip-off to you. Kim? Patty in North Carolina says, on a previous show, you mentioned the insurance you have on a beach property. So I would like to know if perhaps you're an expert, how can you tell me to shop for flood, wind, et cetera, insurance if you have a coastal property? So flood insurance, if you can get by with the quarter million the feds offer, buy it directly from the federal flood insurance program or through your existing homeowners insurer at floodsmart.gov. You can learn about the federal flood insurance program. I have the federally insured coverage, which uh, philosophically, I don't think I should really be allowed to buy since the property I have at the beach is a second home. I feel like that is the taxpayer subsidizing me, but it's how the system works. And for the wind and the storm and traditional homeowners policy, when you're in a coastal area, insurers are more and more redlining issuing those policies, the number of choices you have of who to shop with are reducing, and you'll tend to have a much higher deductible if your property is damaged or destroyed in a named storm. So know that it is a tough market to shop in. It'll require you shopping around with potentially multiple insurers. I find the best way to do so is through an independent insurance agent who can shop your business with potentially multiple insurers. And in my case, living in the state of Florida with a vacation home, in Florida, the traditional insurers have pretty much left, and the insurers you're left with are not necessarily very well capitalized in the event of a massive storm with massive losses. I don't know how solid their money's going to be at paying claims. And it's just the risk of doing business when you are in a coastal area subject to the storms. The good news for you, though, is the quarter million in coverage you can get from the feds for the flood aspect of it. Joel? Clark Rick in Ohio says, we're looking to purchase a home security system that has the ability to incorporate video monitoring. I'd like to install it myself in our home. So Clark, if you were going to purchase a system, what system would you purchase? Well, it's funny. I have a review of this on Clark.com because I went through this same odyssey myself 
trying to figure out which self-install alarm to use. And I ended up going with Ring, which is a product owned by Amazon that integrates with cameras, the Ring video doorbells, the burglar alarm system, and ultra-cheap professional monitoring that you pay $100 a year for. I found the system to be more difficult to install than Ring said it would be, but I was able to get it installed properly, I think, in about three hours' time. And check it out. The system goes on sale a lot. I paid, I think, $189 for a very robust system from Ring. Mark is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mark. Hey, how are you? Great, thank you, Mark. You've been saving for your single digit? That's right. Uh, I opened a uh, North Carolina 529 plan, you know, right after he was born and started putting some money in there. And my question is... You know why I said single digit? Because... Because he's only one? No, because most people don't start saving for a kid for college till they're like a couple of years away from going into college. Uh-oh. And I want to point out that when you start saving when they're really young, you have time for that money to grow tax-free in a 529 plan. And you know, little amounts of money every month add up to a meaningful amount towards college. So that's great that you started near birth doing that. So my question is, I've got, I want to maybe add some more per month to his savings. And my question was, should I continue to put more in the 529 or should I open a brokerage account and have something that has less restrictions as it grows? uh, And so he has kind of a combination um, later on. So in your family culture, what are the odds that your nine-year-old is going to college? It's probably a slam dunk. Okay. So if it's 100% and you think about what college costs per year for all the eligible expenses you can cover with a 529, unless you've been putting wheelbarrels of money in that 529, you're going to need more in it. And putting money in a brokerage account has a double problem for you. One, you're going to have money that's going to be subject to tax that in a 529 would be tax-free, and two, the money in that hurts your child's eligibility for any financial aid that he might qualify for at college. Okay. I didn't know that. So the 529 is really important. Also, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to look at my 529 plan guide. I have seen it, yes. So North Carolina, like other states has both good choices and bad choices for a 529. Do you know if you're in the one that I'd like you to be in in North Carolina? I'm not sure. Um, I think they are um, – I've, I've got a mix of choices. You know, there's aggressive, and then there's some index funds and some different things in there. So what I'm talking about is is who you go through and what investment choices with them, which is a double because a state can have – more than one plan and as an example and this is why i like for people to look at the guide in um, north carolina i want to make sure you only go in the vanguard options i think that's where i am okay right and i like the generally the age-based portfolio choices best 
where you just have the money automatically adjust every two years for your son. He also has a like a, a, a savings account that his grandparents put money into, and it's just at a bank. Is there a way to move that into the 529? Yes, you can potentially move it in. I want you to read the rules on the plan you're in in North Carolina and see what the rules are on um, what would be a custodial 529. And that money would be money that you'd use first for college before the money that you're an account owner for for him. Mm -hmm. But you also have the right typically... In a custodial account, are you the custodian for your son's account? Yes, I am. You are free to use it for um, purposes in his best interest. So you potentially could take the money out and put it into the 529 account you own, unless there are rules specifically that prohibit that. The reason is there are specific advantages for 529 accounts to be owned by the parent. If it's owned by your child in a custodial account then that would be as a freshman the first money you would empty out of that account because assets held by the individual student are treated differently for financial aid than assets that are controlled by you as a parent it's my pleasure to welcome you here to the clark howard show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com And I've been so excited over the years about Betterment and Wealthfront. These are two organizations that specifically from the ground up set themselves up to provide very affordable advice and investments for somebody starting out investing or someone who has tried to do investing for himself or herself, but just had trouble getting the investments right, the mix right, or they had gotten ripped off by a full commission stockbroker or an insurance salesperson who was not putting their interests first. And Betterment and Wealthfront are very approachable. Betterment has no minimum to invest with them. Wealthfront, $500 minimum. And then there are very low costs with either of them for the advice you're given and the investments you're in. In total, it's a f- tiny fraction of 1%. I think about um, 0.35 of 1%, I think, is about where you end up with them. I mean, they're, they're great, great platforms, and they work so hard to dig down with you to target what you're trying to accomplish in your life and how much risk you're comfortable dealing with. Well, they've been growing, both of them, and the big guys don't really like that so much. And so I've talked about the Schwab offer where you pay a flat rate per month for no matter how much money you have or how little money you pay Schwab, 30 bucks a month to give you advice and manage your money for you with a mostly digital platform. And now Vanguard, has come up with two platforms. One, the uh, personal advisor service, which is for people with bigger money. Uh, You have to have $50,000 or more, so that's a much more narrow market. But you have a professional available to you who can custom tailor 
advice to you, plus you have all the math formulas, the automation that Schwab and Betterment and Wealthfront are using. And then Vanguard has another platform called Digital Advisor that I gave you a heads up on back in the winter that Vanguard was going to launch. Now it's ready, and it's ultra, ultra cheap. Requires you to have a minimum $3,000, so higher than Betterment or Wealthfront. But with Vanguard, they take you through, um, takes you some time to answer all the questions that they pop into the database to come up with the proper risk portfolio for you for your mental well-being, where you are in your life, what goals you're trying to reach, what age you are, and the rest. And of course, since it's Vanguard, the cost for the digital advisor is pretty much the cheapest in the marketplace. That all in, you end up paying one-fifth of 1% per year. That includes access to all the the math formulas, the portfolios they put together for you, and the cost of the investments themselves. What's amazing about that is that if you go to a traditional advisor, you're going to pay typically 1% for his or her guidance that will go beyond the kind of things that you get with these other platforms. But you got to overcome that 1% cost, and particularly when you are starting out or you're early in your career or you're early in saving and investing for your future, going with one of these robo-advisors, as they're called, like Betterment, Wealthfront, the Schwab one, the Vanguard one, it's a great way for you to invest at ultra-low cost and not have to worry that somebody meeting with you is putting you in trash investments because it generates big money for them. It's time for your questions, and we're alternating with Kim and Joel asking your questions. Who's up next? It's me, and this is from Dale in Minnesota. Dale says, I like the convenience of using a credit card for all of my transactions, and I enjoy the benefits of being rewarded for doing so. But I want to know, who is actually rewarding me? Are my benefits at the expense of the local retailer who I actually want to support or of the major bank that issued the card? The retailer. So when you use a rewards card, Visa and MasterCard both have a designation for um, those cards that charge the merchant much higher fees for accepting that card. So a non-reward card, a standard Visa or MasterCard, Discover card, those have um, at base very uh, relatively reasonable fees for a merchant. But when you use a reward card, those fees skyrocket. American Express charges merchants significantly higher fees because of the way their cards work. So for the merchant, you are getting those rewards for them paying the higher fees to the uh, credit card company. And it's just one of those things where for merchants, it's a really hard thing for them because if they don't take credit cards, there are people who aren't going to buy from them or will buy less. 
but they have no control when I hand over a card. If I'm handing over one that costs them very low processing fees or very high processing fees, and it is one of those things that because we as consumers don't know about that stuff and there's no way for us really to truly dial in, the merchant absorbs that cost and we don't see that it's increasing their cost of doing business. And you were the first person as a consumer to ever ask me that question. I always hear from merchants that are upset about how much they're having to pay for accepting those reward cards. Joel? Clark, Kathleen in Georgia says, can I use a uh, airline SkyMile companion fare to buy an empty seat next to me? Because I'm worried about sitting too close to people uh, due to COVID. So you said SkyMiles, which means Delta. For now, Delta is not filling the middle seat. So you don't need to use your companion pass to have that empty center seat next to you. And for now, and I don't know how long Delta is going to maintain the policy, you'll have that empty seat next to you anyway. Your idea, though, of would the airline allow you to buy a second seat with your SkyMiles companion pass and keep it open, historically, airlines won't do that that if you have purchased a ticket and you no-show, which basically that companion would be a no-show, then the airline would take someone else and put them in there who's on their standby list, and you still end up with somebody next to you. But because of Delta's policies with coronavirus and not putting people in center seats so that you're not sitting next to someone else, I don't think you need to forfeit the value of that companion pass for that purpose. Kim? Hector in Florida wants to know, he says, Hi Clark, I've been a fan for 10 years and you recommend always using a trustworthy mechanic when buying a used car. But what about when buying a used Tesla? Who can check that out? Oh man, Um, I (laughs) uh, that is a great question because Tesla is a captive company and that the service centers are Tesla service centers and I'm not aware if there are independents that are authorized by Tesla to fix Tesla products that's something I'm clueless about and I'm not aware of so it puts you in a bit of a bind when you're buying a Tesla but the thing is with a Tesla there's very little that breaks on an electric car and Tesla is an example of that so what I would want you looking at when you're looking at buying a used Tesla if you're not going to buy it from Tesla you're buying it independently is I want you to go to a body shop to see if the vehicle has been in an accident because that's the one thing that would be really great to know on a Tesla is if it has been in an accident and been repaired from one because that would be very valuable in terms of what would be a reasonable price for you to pay for the vehicle and whether or not you want to buy one that has been in an accident. But what a great riddle you just threw my way. Joel? 
Clark Angel in Georgia says, I've heard a lot about flipping houses. I'd like to know if this is a real business and what do you think? Do you recommend it? Flipping houses was a great business during the real estate bust following the banking scandals that started in 2007. Um, There are people who continue to believe in flipping houses. And what that is, is you buy typically a beat up house. You're capable of doing the repairs yourself, not with contractors. And then you put that property back on the market. It works in a market where values are accelerating at a very high rate. The housing market is not really doing that around the country. And I would like you to know that I believe in buy and hold with real estate. The tax treatment is more favorable with buy and hold. And so you have to decide, would you be willing to become a landlord? And if you are, I will tell you that buying properties, particularly ones that are beat up that you can do the repairs on and then hold and rent out as an investor is superior to me over the option of being somebody who flips homes. Kim? Susan in Tennessee says, Hi, Clark. I have a question regarding retirement. Currently, my husband and I both have a 401k through our work. We would also like to open up a Roth IRA. We're both in our early 50s, and we know that we can put up to $7,000 a year in a Roth. Is that per person or for a couple? We would put in a full 14000 if we're allowed to. You can, because Roths are always per person, and you have to have your own, each of you. You can't have a joint one. And the amount that 7000 kicks in at age 50 that you get to put the other 1000 in, and then it, the amount you can put in regularly and the amount you can put in if you're over 50, inflation adjusts. So in the future, I'll be able to give higher amounts you can put in, and Going to that max every year is going to help you so much build a secure retirement. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Kimberly's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kimberly. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Kimberly. Glad you're here with us. So my question started when I, I decided to sell my car to save for a down payment. And I thought for about four to six months, I live right next to where I work. I would walk or catch a ride with a coworker. Um, And on weekends, if I needed a car, I could rent one or borrow my boyfriend's car. And he has robust insurance and, and they said it would be fine if someone else drove his car, you know, temporarily. I was also excited about not having to pay car insurance. So I called my carrier 
and they said, you know, you really should think about a non-owner's policy. Right. I had never heard of a non-owner's policy. So very said, common, well, very common with people who live on both coasts, who live in big, big oh, okay. cities where they don't own a vehicle, but they need occasional use of one. Okay. So she told me that the quote would be, it was about $70 less than what I normally pay. And I thought, I'd researched online, I thought that was a bit much, because it said online, from what I'd read, it would be about 400 a year. So I called about four different agencies. No one could really tell me if I needed that for four to six months. She said um, that when I went to go, to go back to get more um, car insurance, when I bought a new car, that they may consider me uninsurable or my, in, my rates may be a lot higher because it looks like I was uninsured for a while. So, Not, Well, okay. My question. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. This is such a confusing area because if you are doing occasional use of a car, it is generally considered to be a good idea to have non-owners a non-owners policy and okay. you being quoted rates that were in the similar range of what you had when you were insuring a car is crazy were you buying full coverage did you have collision and comprehensive on that vehicle or just liability no i had full coverage on my vehicle and i have an excellent record i have no tickets no accidents that is so odd that you're getting a quote almost equivalent. And so you are, you're calling agents and they're saying that they don't even know if you need it. Are they giving you quotes on it that give so, you something to so, compare? Right. Interestingly, I called um, four different, different companies. One said they won't even quote. The other said, you have to cancel the insurance before we'll even give you a quote. And then I had two companies say, we'll get back with you. I never heard from them. Okay. Call an independent insurance agent. I don't I know if that. you've heard of that kind of designation. No, I haven't. So independent insurance agents, they even have their own special kind of logo. They write um, for many different companies and they generally are more knowledgeable and experienced. A lot of insurers now use only what are known as captive agents, only write for a particular company, and mm -hmm. they just write cookie-cutter stuff. Okay. So going with someone who's an independent agent, you explain the situation to them, they'll help you, hopefully, and the reason they want to is when you do get your next vehicle, they want to insure it. So okay. um, having non-owner's insurance is good if you have assets. If you don't have a lot of assets, something goes wrong and somebody comes after you, you don't have as much at stake or to lose. But okay. if you do have assets, like you've been saving money for a down payment and things like that, your money's at risk in the event that you are uninsured, which is essentially what you are. Okay. Coverage. So you're doing the right thing trying to buy non-owner's insurance. It may be where you live. It's not a common thing that agents are familiar with. I can tell you in other states where it's very, very common, they quote it every day. So that's why going to an independent agent who may be more experienced will almost certainly get this taken care of for you. 
You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.